Welcome to the Master Your Mix podcast, helping engineers, producers, and artists create professional recordings and mixes, even from home. I'm your host, Mike and Davina. Let's get started. Welcome to the Master Mix Podcast. My name is Mike Navina, and thank you so much for being here today. Today, my guest is Alan Evans. Alan is a multi-instrumentalist. He's a recording engineer, producer, vocalist, writer. He's the owner of Iron Wax Studios, and he's also a member of the band Soul Live. And in addition to that, he's also a co-owner of Vintage League Music. If you're a fan of old school soul music and you love that like old Motown vibe, then you will love Alan's recordings. A big part of his clientele and the sound that he records is that old school sound and he's really nailed it and it's really interesting to hear from him in this interview because he's doing it using a lot of modern recording equipment and a lot of people think that to get that vintage sound you need to have all this old vintage gear but it's really refreshing to hear from him in this interview because he talks about how he's able to utilize modern equipment to still get that sound. So I'm really excited for you to hear this interview. There's a lot of great stuff in here. So let's just jump right into it. This is my interview with Alan Evans. Well, Alan Evans, thank you so much for being on the Master Mix podcast. How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, man. Of course. For people who might not know your background, can you give us a little bit of your story and how you ultimately got to where you are now? Yeah, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, uh, born in 1974. And by the time I was 11 years old, I was gigging out in clubs around town. Um, I grew up in a musical family. Uh, my brother and I were playing music all the time. From we were like little kids. Once it came time to, well, well, I should say I started gigging out around town when I was like 11. But then by the time I was about 14 or 15, I was going out on the road, like touring around, you know. So by the time it was, uh, I turned 18 it was the time to graduate high school um i just i came to a crossroads i was like well i could either stay here in buffalo and be kind of like a big fish in a small pond or join my uh friend who i was in a band with at the time and we just uh, decided to move to new york city and um from there uh again still toured around a lot um and um Wow, I don't, I, you know, that's, I guess that's the very beginnings of, of things, you know what I mean? And that band was called Moonboot Lover. Um, and we were around until, well, my brother and I were in the band until 96. Um, and then I took a little, uh, I retired from music for a little while. Um, and then after that, I found myself out in San Diego playing with the Great Boy All Stars and Carl Denson. And then I decided to, um, start my own band again um and that would would be a band called soul live so anyway so that's like and that's kind of what i've been doing on the the playing side but in terms of recording i started um like recording my own you know records and things like that when it's probably about um, i don't know 13 or so something like that and um and so it's always been a mix of uh, playing live and recording. So most people have known me over the years for uh, being on stage and, you know, uh, from my band Soul Live. But um, but I recorded and mixed a lot of those records. And and yeah, it's just been uh, it's just been something that I've I've always done. I mean, uh, music is like breathing to me. So, 
Love it, man. So how did you first start to learn how to like produce your own records and record? We have a, a older brother uh, named uh, is Rod, and he's uh, he's nineteen years older than I am. But the thing about Rod, he's a, a audiophile. You know, he uh, and an avid record collector. So growing up in in the house when he was living there, you know, I was surrounded by Macintosh, you know, stereo equipment and tons of records. He was a DJ a, as well. So that was part of it, just kind of like um, having a a sibling who was very much into sound. Um, And he didn't teach me anything about recording, but it got me to listen to music a lot differently than everybody else I knew. So that's one side of it. The other side of it was just I just had a curious nature. So my father played drums um not professionally but played drums but on t- but beside that he um he was just a builder he was a creator you know what i mean he was a teacher but you know there was always like we were you know he, on the weekends he was always building something fixing something around the house you know taking things apart and so i would see that you know growing up and and all of a sudden i i realized that you know that's when i started taking stereo equipment apart and i started taking like amps apart and all kind you know just kind of again that curious nature so um so that's that those were the seeds i guess i would say but i remember vividly um when my brother neil and i went to visit our brother rod when uh, later on when he was in navy in the navy and uh for thanksgiving we flew down to bayonne new jersey where he was stationed and we, you know, we were staying with him and we walked in his room. And again, like I said, he's an avid record collector. But I remember walking in and he had a, you know, you know, the classic, you just have a bunch of records stacked on the floor. And I, the first record I saw just grabbed my attention like nothing has ever done in my life. And it was uh, Jimi Hendrix, Axis Bold is Love. And I remember I said, Brad, can you just can you put that on? Because the record cover just grabbed me. So he put it on and I'm listening to Axis Bowl is Love on vinyl over a Macintosh, you know, system. You know what I'm saying? And man, I was hearing sounds coming out of the speaker that I just had never heard before. So that one that began my journey as a guitar player, and I, I, was, I was 12 or 13 at the time. But aside from that, that really... Um, began my journey as a recording engineer because it wasn't just that I was I, I wanted to play guitar like Jimi Hendrix but I wanted to create those sounds like I, I just had to figure out what was going on you know and and that really just kind of started the journey now like I said I've been playing in bands for quite some time so by the time I was around 13 or 14 a band I was in you know, we won a uh, a battle of the bands, and the and the what we won was um, studio time. You know, what I mean, so it was like the graveyard shifts. You know, like you know, we went in at like eleven at night or whatever for like I think maybe it was just one session. You know, but by then I I was I, the recording bug kind of hit me, and I remember like talking to the engineer 
who, you know, I was, again, I was like 13 or 14 at the time. So he didn't have any time for me. Plus it's like 11 at night, you know, and all this kind of stuff, you know, we went till like four or five in the morning or whatever. Um, and, but his attitude towards me was such that, you know, I, I would have suggestions. Of course, I'm, I was young. I didn't know what I was talking about, but I had ideas. And he just kept shutting me down. You know, he's like, ah, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm the engineer. You just go play drums kind of thing. And, and after that, I was like, you know what? I can I can do a better job than him. So I just, you know, my dumb young self. But that's what it, that pushed me over the edge. After that, I was like, you know what? I'm I'm not going to pay someone to, to, of course I had to over the years, but there's a lot to learn, but that's what got me started. Yeah. I love that, man. I, I think that that's such a common story that I find happens on this podcast is that people have that experience in the studio where like, you know, just being in that environment was very inspiring. But then there's like that one person who either like just ruins the quality of the record and like, you know, their skills aren't at the point that like to, they, they can't get your songs to sound the way you hear them in your head or they just have a horrible attitude and just ruin that experience for you. So it's like it lights that spark under so many people's butts to just like want to just do this and be better at it. You know, it's like I, I think that it happens a lot on this podcast. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the funny thing is, man, so I had a few experiences like that in Buffalo and it wasn't until I left Buffalo and moved to New York City and started working in uh, you know, I, I hate to use the term real studios, but at the time, like, but it was a big jump from the studios I was recording in Buffalo. And, and, and in fact, they were real studios where they were making records that many of us have heard many times. But what the interesting thing was, was the, um, I, I, I wouldn't say I was shy from my experiences with these previous experiences but i was a little guarded with you know how i would approach like the engineer but what i quickly found is that the more the more successful engineers i worked with and and i i've gotten to work with some really you know big name cats the more open they were to to uh sharing their knowledge you know what I mean? So I, I was like, oh, man, this guy's recorded this record and this record. I, man, I'm, I'm kind of nervous, you know, like I'm not going to. And they're like, so I'd say, oh, how do you do? Oh, yeah, come over here. Like basically stop the session to show me how to, you know, whatever, you know, whatever it is. And that's when I, I realized, you know, man, like that was just that was a, a great experience for me. You know, like these cats have. All the, you know, from my point of view at the time, all the success in the world, all their these credits, and they're just like sharing their knowledge, you know, they're with nobody. I was nobody at the time, you know what I'm saying? And so to this day, ever since then, and to this day, that's why I teach, you know what I'm saying? But when I'm in a recording session, there's all, you know this, man, every band has the engineer in the band. Of course. You know what I'm saying? Most times, there's the one cat, you know, or a couple, you know. And hey, man, I, there's no secrets in this. There are no secrets. You know what I'm saying? Like I could show anybody the I could show them exactly what I do. They could come into my studio, use my same gear and and whatever they do is going to sound different in the end. Because, it, you know, their ears are different. Their 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 choices are going to be different. So it's like, man, why not share all this knowledge? 
that I've that I've been lucky to you know acquire over the years. Yeah, that, I mean, hey, that's exactly the reason why I started this podcast and my website in the first place. It's just like same thing. It's like there's always that one guy in the band who's like you said is the engineer who's always asking questions, and you know you're like, okay, cool, like this is yeah, this is how I do it, blah blah blah. And it's like I had that conversation so many times that I was like. Uh, there's more people like that out there. Let's just get this information out there. Let's help more people make more music. Cause you know, with that, we can make more impact in the world. Right. It's like, I, I, you know, I don't want people to feel like they can't put out their music because it's not good enough or whatever. You know, it's like, there's a lot of great songs out there that are, that haven't been discovered yet. And let's just get those out there. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, for me, man, the, the, you know, like I said, in my teaching and just in, in any interaction I have with someone, my goal is to hopefully get get them to a point where they're comfortable with their choices. You know what I'm saying? Because that's all that matters in the end. People, you know, like worry about, oh, you know, man, don't compare your, your stuff to anybody else. You know what I mean? Like if it sounds good to you, it's good. You know what I mean? But the, pro- but the problem is people, um, a lot of people, I should say, some people, um, they get very caught up in, uh, you know, going down the, the YouTube wormhole of like, oh, what, you know, you know, what does this plugin do? What does this compressor do? What does this do? What does this, you know, like, man, man, just, I want people to just feel confident and comfortable. And once you, once you can, once you can do that consistently, like with your own, you know, your own mixes, your own writing, whatever it is, uh, people are going to dig your music. It's it's not rocket science. <laughs> this isn't rocket science. You know, I mean, of course, there's a lot of there are some r- rules involved, I guess. You know, what I mean, and obviously it's like good to learn the rules so you know uh, how to break them. Or, you know what I'm saying? But the, the main thing is confidence. You know what I'm saying? It's confidence. And so having a, a little bit of knowledge goes, you know, will help you build that confidence, you know talking to, you know, listening to the podcast, listen to people, like you said, you know, like, I mean, uh, you know, you may listen to uh, an hour long podcast. And if you only get one thing out of it that you can add to your, your, your tool belt, you know, your tool, you know, your, your chest, then that's great. You know what I'm saying? But, um, you know, so that's, that's, that's what I try to do, man. You know, it's just try to inspire people to just be creative and, and comfortable in their choices. Love it, man. Love it. So, so it sounds like you were kind of in the studio as a musician and kind of observing what all these other people were doing. Would you say that that's kind of how you learned, like just kind of just by being in that in the room with people, or were you then like at what point did you start to get your own recording equipment and and take that on yourself? Well, I mean, I was I was still pretty young. I mean, I was like a you know uh, mid teens, you know, when I started you know uh, really getting into recording with my own gear and things like that. Uh, you know, it was a lot different back then. You know, I mean, there was no YouTube. There was, I mean, like, there was like, may, what was it? Maybe like Mix Magazine, you know, little things like that. But, you know, I didn't really check those out too much. So, yeah, it was honestly, it was just like a few um, experiences in in the studio um, observing. And that's the thing. I mean, luckily, luckily, I was a good drummer back in the day. So it wasn't like I was uh, spending hours and hours, you know, trying to get a, a good drum takedown. Now, the flip side of that was I was getting good drum takes down. So then it was just like I was just sitting on the couch while, you know, the guitar player was like, you know, you know, playing a, a million passes of a guitar solo. But 
in that time, though, I, I utilized that time to my benefit. I, I Yeah, you're right. I just paid attention. I just watched. You know what I mean? Like, so, like, that's the thing. Like, if I got some shade for, from some engineer, you, you know, didn't have any time for me, I didn't walk out the studio like, oh, man, screw this dude. You know, I'm out of here. It's like, all right, that's cool. I just hung out in the back and I just watched then, you know, just shut up and watched. I guess I turned myself unknowingly. I turned myself into like a, a studio assistant. Every good studio assistant should do that. Just shut up and watch. You know what I'm saying? You know, like, just, you know, don't comment on anything, you know, just like, just watch and learn. So that's what I did. So from those experiences, you know, my band at the time we had, you know, we were rolling around with our own PA, you know what I mean? So it was like an old PV mixer, which had like, uh, it was really dope. I, you can still find them, but, you know, it had like spring reverb in it and all this kind of stuff. But the cool thing about it is like, that's when I learned that, oh, you can like use, I was like, oh, what are these inserts? You know, that's when I figured out, oh, you can use, like you can tap the inserts for direct outs. You know what I'm saying? And it is, again, it, so that's how I just, I just started building, you know, like and in, in, in learning. So, and you know, I still, I still have a lot of those recordings. They're not very good, but you know, but there's, but there's, there's some cool stuff in there though. You know what I mean? There was some cool stuff in there because you had, that was the other thing back then it was, you know, this was like recording the tape, you know what I mean? So a lot of times like I was like either bouncing between decks, you know what I mean? Like doing that real old school stuff. And then finally, you know, when you got into multi-track recording with like tape decks and then when ADATs came out and, you know, that kind of stuff that was uh but the, the the cool thing is is back then i had to you learn to it wasn't even learned you had to commit to stuff you know what i mean there was no like what we have today you know what i mean like uh like you just committed to everything You're like oh all the drums on the one track you know what i mean like kind of stuff you know some and you know some beatles type stuff or whatever you know, i'm just like that's just the way it was you had to work with what you had you know and i didn't have a lot but but it forces you to be a better mus better engineer because you're more you're listening really critically to everything you're recording. You're making it all count. Exactly. Exactly. Well, so yeah, as, as so it makes you a better engineer for sure. But it also makes you a better producer. It makes you a better uh, songwriter. Everything musician because again, it, it's funny. People a, a lot of people dislike the music from the '80s. I don't know if much anymore because maybe it's kind of come around and maybe it's already gone again. But the one thing about, you know, music leading up to the eighties in the eighties and maybe partly in the nineties, but it was arrangement. You know I mean? When you have like, and, 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 and still, man, I mean, like obviously back in the day, like in, in bigger studios, I mean, you had a lot of tracks to work with. You could, you know what I mean? I mean, if you could, you could sync up two 24 track machines or even more, which has been done, but those were on like really huge budget albums. But a lot of records that, you know, I grew up listening to were not the case. They're in like 16 tracks, 24 tracks. That was probably the norm. That sounds like a lot. 24 tracks sounds like a lot, but it really isn't. You know what I'm saying? Like when you break it down. So so anyway, so back then, like the songs are so great because cats were like had to really make decisions, you know, in terms and, and, and this is before you even hit record. You know what I mean? But but knowing you had to hit record with a, a certain number of tracks, it's like, man, if that, 
you know, they really worked out like the chorus, the bridge, you know what I mean? It wasn't just like, oh, let's just throw this on there and we'll figure it out later. There was none of that, you know what I mean? Like, or very little, I should say. So, um, so anyway, so I just, I've brought that um, mentality. I still have that to this day. You know what I'm saying? Like, and yeah, so all of that is, has definitely um, helped me um, kind of become the engineer I am today. Um, and I really wish, um, I, it, it's a double-edged sword, of course. I think it's amazing that, you know, all the technology that we have um, available to us these days. And I really laugh, man. Like, I, I hey, man, I got nothing against companies trying to make some some bread, you know, selling interfaces or all whatever it is i got no problem with it but man if you i mean man it's really funny i i I don't go on many forums and any anything anymore because i i i have to spend my time making music right but it's really funny when when cats are arguing over this minutia over you know uh these d- recording devices and all this kind of stuff i'm like man do you know that george smart in the in the beatles would have been psyched to have garage band <laughs> and you know i mean and a, like a, a m audio interface do you know what those cats would have done with that you know what i'm saying like so i mean yo at some point, you know, you just have to like get to just making music. You know what I mean? Like I I didn't have like the the craziest gear back in the day and I still don't. But, you know, I don't use that as an excuse. You know what I'm saying? Like to me it's like I back in the day I had to do what I had to do with what I had and I learned a lot because of it. So, uh I guess in the end there's no excuses these days. Really? Do you have, I mean, man, cats are making uh, full-on dope albums on iPhones. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? So, yeah, and I that's what that. I'm saying. Hey, man, you know, like, I mean, you give any cat from back in the day the the technology that we have right now, man, come on, man, for sure. <laughs> well, I'm curious to know, like, I mean, you, you kind of said earlier that you've taken a little bit of that old school recording approach and you still do that to this day and you specifically work on a lot of music that has this like vintage type of sound to it so i'm wondering like how much of that vintage sound do you think has to do with that process of recording versus like the equipment that we're using and and all that kind of stuff i'd say uh it's the the majority of it it has to do with the song you know the song is the songs first that hands down song comes first then after that I, I i feel at least for me song comes first and then that informs my decisions in terms of the the instruments being used you know what i'm saying or you know or sometimes it can go either way but the tone like you know sometimes i'll come in the studio and you just like pick up a guitar and start playing and that'll just inspire a song, you know what I'm saying? So a certain tone. But it really comes down to that. Uh, the gear, maybe that's a small part of it, honestly. But um, for me, it's, 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 it's all about the song, you know? I mean, it's, it's all about the song. And, and then, again, the, the, the choices in instruments, you know what I mean? Like, you know, there, you know, like uh, I, I, I don't know how many times I've been asked to, um, especially on the mix side. Oh man, I want the drums to sound like Bonham. 
you know everybody you know bonham is like just that's of course but it's like yo bro you know like uh well that's just not gonna happen first of all like you, you know you, you cut the drums with you know 15 or 16 microphones it's a brand new you know i i don't want to name any brands but it doesn't matter you know what i mean some brand new you know xrx drum set with clear drum heads on it and all this kind of stuff you know what i mean and okay cool you put a microphone up in the stairwell great but you know and then on top of that like the song you know like you didn't that's like man yo you better go dig him up and, and revitalize him if you want you know what i'm saying for real you know but but the, the thing is the, the point is it's like you've already missed the mark like on on the in, on the choice of instrument you know what I'm saying? Like, if you want a bottom sound, well, man, get, you know, at least get the right drum set. You know what I'm saying? Get the, you know, like, ease up on the microphones. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and maybe, and and the tune. Like, does the tune kind of ev evoke that, that spirit, that feeling? You know, like, you know, probably not, you know? So um yeah man so I, I think that's that's what it really comes down to for sure i totally agree with that i think that it's it's so easy to be inspired by something and admire a tone but if you're not considering how your music fits in with that tone then it's never going to happen you know like you need to you, i think that's why like you know a band like Greta Van Fleet or something like that. That's why they can sound like Zeppelin because their songs sound like Zeppelin, you know, but, but if they were playing like metal songs or something, it would never sound like Zeppelin, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. It's, it's funny you mentioned, cause I, the first time I heard Greta Van Fleet, man, I was like, what in the world is, you know I mean? It sounded like, like some lost Zeppelin track or something, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, 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 I don't think I go that far on my productions, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> I, I, I respect it. I totally respect it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But well, to me, it's like when you when you listen to a record like that, it almost sounds like everything is intentional to be that 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 specific type of sound. Right. So, yeah, when exactly. When you yeah. do that, you're going to get that sound obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. One, one thing that I'm really curious to know about you and your production style is that like, you do work on a lot of soul music and, and stuff that has that vintage quality to it. And I'm wondering, do you find it difficult to capture that old school vibe when so much of today's technology or equipment is designed to be so modern sounding and clean and pristine? Like, how do you go about getting that vintage sound when we have modern equipment? Hmm. Well, yeah, it's it's funny. Yeah, people. A lot, I get that question. I get the question. Oh man, you know, people want to come and record the studio. Oh, what tape machines are you using? This I'm not using any tape machines. You know, I sold all my tape machines years ago. You know, what I'm saying one. I mean, I use all the the a lot of that um, the modern technology available to me. Um, I, I think it's great. But I've had the opportunity over the years to to really use a lot of the hardware that a lot of these cats are emulating so i i feel like i have a, a leg up on on from that uh aspect you know what i'm saying like i know what an uh, la2a does in real i mean oh actually i have one but or 1176 or a poltech whatever i've used those in real life so using the plugins is is kind of second nature to me you know i commit 
a lot going in. I don't I don't leave myself a lot of wiggle room at all on the on the mix end, you know, like for and and that's what a lot of cats really dig when they come to record here. One, it doesn't take me long. I'm uh, I'm at an advantage advantage because um pretty much everything you hear is set up and ready to roll at any all the time. You know, it'll take maybe a band 30 minutes, 40 minutes from the time they walk in, we can be, you know, recording the first take of something. So that's cool. Um, but yeah, I, I commit going in. Um, I am a Studio One user. Um, you know, and that's what I use is my, my DAW. And um, they have a, a feature of um, you can record uh, plugins going on the inputs very similar to like you would do with like uad or you know something something like that so I, I do that so and that's the thing like so when um a band you know i say just you know just play a tune you know play something and then start recording and so by the time they're done playing the first verse of whatever you know i can push up the faders to unity and it's going to sound pretty much like a record so um um, and then again, that makes my, the mixing just a lot more fun, you know, but yeah, I mean, I use, I, I mean, I have some outboard pieces that, you know, really kind of, um, help me get my sound. Um, a lot of, uh, my studios called iron wax studios because, um, of my love of transformers, you know? Um, that's kind of like the, uh, you know, people always talk about, oh, tube gear and this and that, you know, tubes are cool, but it's the iron in front of those tubes. And after those tubes are really like, that's where for me, that's, you know, so I'm, I'm, uh, it's, it, you'd be, um, <laughs> you'd be, you'd get a, a pretty good kick out of listening to like my multi-track files, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like wow that's a that's the kick drum sound like it's you know it's not clean you know what i'm saying but for me it, it's like um i don't i don't i don't do a lot of stuff in solo mode you know what i mean it's like for me it's all about the, the 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 sum of everything you know what i'm saying so yeah man i mean i again i i i uh i grew up in the analog age that's when I, I learned how to do what I do and I've just stuck to it. I haven't, I, I didn't, when digital really came around and, and, and people were like really pushing levels to, you know, I, I just kept doing what I do. And, um, and luckily that's um, been a benefit because now everybody's designing a plugin that's a analog emulation. You know what I'm saying? But with that said, they like to see signal that would exist in the analog realm. So I get a lot of people who hit me up, you know, on the teaching side or just when we're in the studios, like, oh, man, I got like this, whatever, 1073 plug, whatever, whatever. It's like, oh, man, it sounds awful. It's like, well, yeah, man, but, you know, like you're like, of course it does, because like you're driving, like you're driving the hell out of it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, you know, some come on back off back, you know, and let's live in, in the, and you got to think in the analog realm here, you know? So just, I mean, man, I, I just, that's, uh, 
I guess that's the long answer to your question. You know, like, yeah, I use all the, the, the modern stuff, but um, I just approach it like I would if I was um, recording the tape. Yep. Love that, man. I, and I think, yeah, it, it makes sense. It's like if you're going for that kind of sound, like, why not, you know, to go to touch back on that John Bonham thing example, you know, it's like, why not go back to like the way it was done? You know, follow that same process, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, the, the thing is what I, I, I realize, and obviously I'm constantly learning, obviously, you know, I mean, I'm not a master at this by any stretch of the imagination, but what I have kind of realized over the years is that um, for a, a time I was doing way too much, you know, like I was um, just too much EQ, too much compression too much of everything you know to try and get something to sound like something and it was at one point when i um started mixing albums for people that i didn't record i remember one in particular actually um uh was a lettuce album this band lettuce and a good friend of mine uh joel hamilton recorded the uh record and he actually did some mixing on the album, but then the band asked me to mix some songs. But I remember load, like I got the tunes, you know, finally, and I loaded them up and I just, you know, pushed the faders up and I was like, damn, this sounds, I mean, well, there's nothing to do, you know? All of a sudden that made my job a lot easier. And, it, and it, I, it's like one of those things, you know this, but that solidified it. You know what I mean? Like, it was just like, okay, it was just recorded really well, really great players. Um, and all my job now is to not mess it up. <laughs> so, so you just don't do a lot. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's so funny. People get like, gets, you know, it's so easy these days to not, again, go back to spending time with, is that the right microphone for, for said instrument is that the right guitar for said song what you know what i'm saying like are the play, are the players up to are are the players able to um play the song in in a fashion that's going to be uh believable yeah i love that i i think that it's you know it, it's it is so easy to get deep in the weeds of like you know, all of these plugins and all of this like modern way to do things. And especially when you, especially if you do listen to a lot of different genres of music, you're going to find those differences between genres. And that often dictates like your workflow as well, right? If you're like, if you're in like the modern metal world, you're, you're probably adding tons of shit to your, to your plugin chain and, you know, going real extreme with EQs and stuff. Cause that's how that world is. So, you know, when you switch back to like a soul, soul music or soul song like that, you know, it, it has to be a different approach because it's just, that's just not the way things were done. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, so I, you know, I guess that's the thing, man, I, I'm uh, very comfortable in my, in my skin, you know I mean? I know what I, I do well. Um, and, and that's why people come to me, you know, like, I mean, I record a lot of stuff other than soul stuff, but the, but the, uh, the over, the theme, though, would be people that want something organic sounding, you know what I mean? So I record a lot of folk music or, you know, I do, you know, rock. But, you know, again, it's it's not like 
heavy, heavy, you know, rock, you know, it's, you know, it's, I guess it's kind of, I, yeah, that's, the, that would be the overarching theme, you know? Well, as far as that organic sound, that organic, like, let's just say like vintage kind of sound, um, how would you describe what that sound is for someone versus like, com- like comparing that to like n- today's modern rock music that's on the radio? Hmm. That's a wow. That's a good question. Um, I, I guess my my um, perception or my my idea is just the a sense of space. I guess. Yeah, I mean, how do you describe that to someone who maybe not know what I'm talking about or understand that? But um, I feel that. Um, a lot of um, more modern music I hear, and it, this is not a knock on it because I listen to a lot of mo- modern music, obviously, you know, I dig a lot of it, but sometimes I feel it's like this, uh, it, it's like, a, um, it's almost like a virtual reality. You know, it's like, a, it's a, our hyper or like a, a very hyper reality. You know what I mean? It's this very... Um, or almost like a caricature of reality or something, you know what I mean? Like, and that's cool, you know, like, um, whereas I guess what, what I do is more of, uh, more reality based and kind of, you know, sound, you know what I mean? It's like kind of almost like if you walked into the studio that's pretty much what you're going to hear uh, for the most part. I mean, obviously there's, you know, I, there's stuff that goes on in, on the mixing side and one of the production mixing side that, you know, uh, trying to in telling the story of the song, you're, you know, pushing certain envelopes or whatever, a sonics or whatever, but I'd say it's just more, a more realistic painting of, um, of what's going on going on in the music you know what i mean so for sure yeah it's funny i was i was just interviewing before i got on with you i was interviewing uh chris baseford who if you're not familiar with him he, he he records like nickelback and he's their engineer and and he was he was describing his mixes as cartoon mixes and making them sound larger than life and and yeah when you listen to that it, it absolutely is like it's so modern and sampled and and all this completely different approach to how you're doing it which is way more organic and just true to the actual like musicians themselves and their their gear right 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 i mean and, and the thing man i i have a lot of respect for cats who can do that because i can't you know what i mean like i you know i don't know if um i i just haven't had the opportunity to even try to do that so i can't say that i'm not going to say i can't do that but i just i guess i haven't had the opportunity to even to attempt it or whatever but people come to me for what i do exactly i've just been doing it a long time right exactly but yeah man it is it is wild i mean just the other night uh, a couple well a couple weeks ago i guess we were at a red sox game and there was a rain delay and so we were just kind of hanging out. We, uh, the whole, my whole family, we didn't have anywhere to go the next morning or whatever. It was like a Wednesday night, you know what I mean? So we were just like, hanging out. But in between, they were like playing a, bun- a bunch of music over the PA, you know? And they were going from like old school stuff. And then I remember a few tunes came on and I was like, literally, I was like, it sounds like a cartoon. You know what I mean? Like the, the vocalist, it sounded like a cartoon character. It, it was so like cartoonish you know what i mean but it was and i was like yeah it's just wild i was like yeah i can't do that you know I, that's you know 
you know, it's it's cool. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean, but it, it's it's that like that's the um, you know whether it's in an era of music or it's a genre of music, it's it's all kind of just like a sound, and it's like a snapshot of you know whatever you want to call it, that that genre if you want to say it that way, you know. And so there there are so many different sounds out there and it's like a matter of just finding what is your what what you enjoy the most and what you'd like to work on exactly exactly yeah yeah as far as that as far as that kind of organic natural sound then do you have any tips for capturing that vintage tone sure um okay so one uh don't be afraid well okay if we're talking about if uh, you know uh, the listeners are um, experimenting or or just recording a band in the studio, okay. If you're just the engineer, and you're recording a band in the studio. Don't be afraid of bleed. A lot of times when I have bands come in in here, I'll have them set up and I'll just have them start playing before I even give them any headphone mixes. So just play. If you guys can, and and I noticed that if the band gets comfortable, just let them play for a while. Let them get acclimated to the space. And once they acclimate, if if everyone can hear each other um, and really maybe not need headphones, unless maybe they're like, uh, in some cases they do, but um, I, I would say just, don't be afraid of that you know it's like oh we gotta put the guitar in this room you know 20 meters down the hall and we gotta do you know all this kind of stuff like man well you're like you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot right from the beginning you know like that's because that's not i mean if you look at um a lot of recordings that were going down at stacks motown you know like just you know um all all over a lot of that stuff was recorded in one room um and 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 people were playing to each other playing with each other to each other and the the microphones were doing the same thing now with that said you have to be uh mindful of the type of microphones you're using in most cases um again there's no rules you can do whatever you want to do but uh if you want to have some sort of success in this i wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily uh, record, especially like a, a room in, like mine. It's not a small room. It's not a huge room, but I wouldn't mic everything with Omni mics. You know what I mean? Like, because <laughs> so, uh, you know, just kind of learning about, um, you know, microphone patterns and how those uh, patterns could um, benefit you in a, in a situation when you're kind of have a band set up in, in one room in a, in a space. Go, that goes a long way, you know, I mean, to capturing that kind of sound, you know, on the technical end. So so it sounds like, I mean, bleed is obviously going to be something that you're going to have to just deal with when you're playing in a room with other people. So so is it the microphone positioning that you're using to kind of eliminate some of that bleed or are you just totally embracing it and like whatever gets in there you, you use? Well, you know, that's, you know, that's the funny thing. It's a little of both. Now, um, people who aren't, uh, if they've come to my studio for the first time, I always love the, the moment where I get to, you know, like I said, I have them play for a little while, you know, get comfortable. Now I'm always recording and then they stop and take a little break and come back into the room and then I just hit play. And then I, and then I start soloing. Oh, here, listen to the guitar. And they're like, 
wait a minute, where are the drums? The guitar amp is not far from my the drum set in here. You know what I'm saying? But you know, it's 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 you know it's uh pointed at the right angle so there's a little you know the rejection is you know is happening you know um so i guess the thing is uh, um and and this idea really came to me um not the idea but example is when i started mixing a lot of live recordings you know like concert like old soul live stuff and things like that and then all of a sudden you realize you solo like a micro guitar microphone or whatever. And you're like, I don't hear a lot of anything but guitar. You may hear a little bit of something else, but in most cases that's it's your headphone bleed is going to be worse into a vocal microphone, you know, than, than this. So I guess people, um, people get really caught up about microphone bleed and separation before they even try it. You know what I'm saying? It's like this concept out there. Like, oh, you have to put the guitar amp in a room over here. You got to put the Leslie in a room over here. You got to have the bass amp in here and the drummer all by himself in the room. And you just do that. It's like, oh, that's great. But you didn't try. Like, you didn't experience what it's, what it's actually, what that bleed actually is. You've read about it. You've heard about it. But when you actually hear it, you're like, that's actually, that's not that bad. And then when I tell, and, and with that said though, I always tell people, man, when in doubt, lay out. So it's like you're recording a cut and like the guitar player's feeling good. Hey man, you want to take that guitar solo? Cool. It may be a problem later. You know what I'm saying? Like some of that phantom, you know, your other take may come through some other stuff. You know what I mean? So just, just know like, hey, it's cool to just play rhythm during the guitar solo and we'll come back and overdub it. So there are things that, you know, I do, you know, um, selectively, you know, choose to be an overdub or you know in its own space and again that's just that's just um yeah that's that's the only reason why really but uh yeah it's all about just trying it it's just amazing people don't try it you know everyone has an opinion on like why not to do it but you've never done it so i love it i I think that yeah when you are just getting to this especially these days you know if you fall into that rabbit rabbit hole of youtube or whatever it's like you you tend to learn these like so-called rules of recording and then you just stick to it and you haven't really experimented it's like you know you you probably always place the microphone in the exact same spot every single time and maybe a lot of these people have never even tried to move the microphone to hear what it what does you know if you just angle it or if you move it from one side to the other like and there's so much value in that experimentation because that's when you learn how to play play your equipment you know it's not just not just playing the instrument it's like playing your equipment like it's an instrument almost and using that to get your tones and and so yeah i love what you said there about the bleed because yeah i mean everyone's taught like bleed is bad you know or like clipping is bad but a lot of this kind of older the vintage sound has so much saturation and all sorts of distortion in there. So it's like, there are things that can be used to your advantage that people are probably just avoiding because they've been taught a certain way to do it and they don't know any other way. Right. Right. Well, you know, there's one, well, there's the key, the key uh, word there is taught and that a lot of people aren't being taught. 
and that's the thing. Like I, again, I had the opportunity to work in studios with engineers and, and I was being taught. That's a, that there's a difference between having a one-on-one kind of learning experience rather than going down a YouTube wormhole. You're, you're, you're learning something. I, I guess I, I, my parents were teachers, so I have a, a, a little different perspective on this. Like, I, of course, I go on YouTube and I, I, when I, I, I check things out, I want to, oh, this new plugin came out, I want to check it out or whatever, or this technique or whatever. But um, there's something to be said about gaining this knowledge, you know what I'm saying? Like, just in, in mass, you know what I mean? Rather than like just getting a little bit, trying it out from a person that you know, you know, you can try it out. Well, and, that, and that's the other thing. It's so easy these days to, man, there's a million ways to do mic a guitar or use this compressor or whatever, this plugin or whatever. And it's just like, it's just, it, it's kind of overkill, you know what I mean? Whereas a lot of times what I do, I'll pick a day. And I'll come into the studio. I have no, um, nothing on on the schedule, or, or my only um, the only thing I'm going to accomplish is experimentation. That's it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and it may be just like one microphone. It may be one plugin. It may be whatever. But I, I I'm not going to like just start mixing the song with this new whatever I've checked out. You know what I mean? Or whatever it is. I'm going to dedicate some time to messing around and um and i i feel like uh, i i i re- in in my experience of teaching i i've found that a lot of people don't do that you know what i mean they're kind of more like it's cool to, hey it's cool to experiment you know like when you're recording or mixing something for somebody or for yourself but I feel like it's it's um a lot more fun at least for me to do that when i have no intentions of anything being released or, or getting, there are a lot of times, man, I'll come into the studio. I will spend an entire day and be like, wow, that was whack. That just didn't work. Now it just leaves like, Hey, whatever. But I learned something, you know what I mean? I gained something from that. For sure. I, I love that, man. I, I think that there's so much, like people feel so much pressure to always like accomplish something amazing whenever they start working on their stuff. And it's like, you need to accept that it might not always be amazing. And that's a good thing. Exact, man. You know, the funny thing is I was just, I was just having this conversation with my wife the other night, we were taking a walk, man, I'm 47 years old. Right. And I finally got to a point now. It's really interesting, but, um, I was saying like, I've been sending, I'm mixing this album for somebody for a band. And, the mixed notes I've gotten back consistently for for a little while now are usually two notes, like like, like um, and it's very small stuff. It's like, uh, can you bring this up a little bit, or can you whatever? It's nothing like these drastic notes. I used to get like tons of notes, and I get all kind of stressed out because oh man, I missed the mark. You know, what I mean, like oh like now like I just I just mix cool, I'm good. I send it, don't even think about it. I'm not worried about what they, you know, they're going to think about or whatever. I just send it and I get back. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, I can. Yeah, it's cool. Take me a couple minutes to do those revisions. No problem. Now, that's not because I'm I'm like bragging or whatever. 
But the point is, man, I'm 47 years old. I've been doing this since I was like 13 or 14 years old. You know what I'm saying? It takes time. I've done a lot of things where I can listen back now. I'm like, oh, God, what was I thinking? You know what I mean? Like, And so the the thing is, man, what I, I realized also is and kind of like what you said, you know, like um, you have to. It's one thing to just sit up in your studio and just like mess around and 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 do all this and that, you know, and like oh, yeah, it's uh, it's not good yet or blah 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 or whatever. The thing is, man, none of that matters. Like, like you can play it for your your girlfriend or your your brother or whatever, and chances are they're gonna be like, oh yeah, that's cool, or they're just or or they're just not gonna care at all, you know, man. It's nothing. None of that is gonna matter until you put it out. Once you get feedback from strangers, from people, you know what I'm saying? And people are like, oh man, or, and, and, and this would be, you know, your peers or whatever, whatever, you know, recording peers or just people, fans of music, like, oh man, that sucks. That's, or that snare drum is horrible, blah, blah, blah. That kind of feedback is super crucial. You know what I mean? To like getting, um, super crucial to getting out of your, shell you know what i'm saying like and and really like listening and and um examining your own work um so yeah i i mean you can like, like you said you can sit around for days months people do and there's tweaking stuff tweaking is man man just put it out you know i mean there's gonna be another record to make there's you know what i'm saying there's gonna be another single to put out but you're not you're really not gonna learn you're and you're not gonna find your own sound until you get that feedback from from the world of course and there's that learning experience too of just being able to stop a mix and give it to the artist as well and just say like here's where i'm at what do you think because you can tweak forever just thinking you need to keep finding problems in your mix and like you're gonna fix all of these things but at the end of the day like maybe the artist is like this is already awesome like this is great yeah leave it it, as is exactly and it's not that like it's not like you're being lazy about it it's like Sometimes, sometimes you can go too far. You can, you like, problem with searching for problems is that you're always going to find a problem. You're going to find a and problem. And you're just going to yeah. keep going down this rabbit hole of like, I got to just keep fixing and fixing. And then you, have, you eventually kind of undo all of the good stuff that you've already done. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost exactly. like you need to sometimes like put restrictions on yourself and say like, I'm only going to mix a song in a few hours. And once that three hour timer hits, like mix is done, sending it off, getting feedback. Cause you could, you could mix for like a week straight trying to make this perf- perfect masterpiece. And then the band says it sucks. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. But again, that all comes with, you know, you have to do it a lot. It comes with experience. And that's actually one thing I was, I was talking to my wife about on that walk. I was like, you know, the crazy, it doesn't take me long to mix tunes anymore. Like it really doesn't. The thing is I'm, I feel comfortable in my instincts. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's one thing to, again, go back to being book smart about mixing, whatever the hell that mm-hmm. means. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I know the this, uh, you know, what, this compression rate and this attack and release time, all this kind of, man, whatever. You know, like, that's good to learn. But at some point, you have to, like, embrace your, what what are you hearing in your mind? That's what matters. You know what I mean? Like, the stuff that you hear in your head get that get to it you know what i'm saying so and that's the thing like now i just like I'm, i feel comfortable with my instincts you know what i mean like 
And again, but it just takes time. And I'm again, uh, like I said before, I'm not a master. There's still a lot, lot to learn. But um, but every time I send a mix to somebody, or every time I put an album out and I listen to it out in the world, you know, what I mean, like you learn something. Like, oh, I'm never gonna do that again. Or oh, that's actually kind of dope. I'm gonna keep doing that. You know, what I mean, I can push, I can push that. Or I should have done more. I can push the envelope a little bit more on, on whatever. Um, but yeah, like you know, you have to give yourself time away from it. Absolutely. Again, going back to put it out because after that, it's out in the world, and then you're gonna hear it. You know, like a somewhere you know someone's gonna comment on it and but yeah just keep him like rewind and back to the start and play and back to the start play for hours and months and man yeah <laughs> well <laughs> yeah i definitely agree with all of that i think there's just there's just so much to learn when you actually spend the time and are willing to mess up and uh yeah i love that man i love that um one thing i did want to ask you about is i've always really loved the sound of like of your drum tones. And I love like that. I love like the soul, soul drum sound, you know, there's something to it where it's like, there's like some saturation and there's like this tightness to it. And also, also like, it's just a sound that isn't like anything else. And so I was wondering if you can share some tips on how you tend to get your drum sounds and and what that process looks like for you. Again, I mean, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but it's all about the drums really for me. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm, I'm lucky enough that I have, I have a lot of drum sets here. I got a lot of drums. So, um, so depending on the, the, the style or the mood, or a lot of times I'm thinking like decade, you know, like, Oh, what, you know, like, what decade would this song live in? And I just go for that drum set, you know? Um, but then, so that's, that's part one. Part two is a lot of stuff that I do um, when for my own music and, and for people who are, are cool with it is very minimal miking. I mean, most times it's like three or four microphones, you know what I mean? Like, and, and and that and that depends. I I mean, if you, if I took a photo of my setup, you'll see more microphones. But a lot of times, those aren't even being recorded. You know, like the tom mics are toms are mic'd up, but maybe I don't even record those. You know what I mean? Or I have stereo overheads, but most time I just record one of them. The mono, like I have a mono mic. You know what I mean? And then the other one is like then all of a sudden it becomes stereo if I want. You know, or if the person in here wants that kind of sound. Um, so that's, yeah, just minimal mic microphones. And then, um, again, uh, I love saturation, you know, like saturation is like, for me, it's like, that's what, it, 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 that's what uh, creates that excitement. You know what I mean? So again, like, you know, like I said earlier, man, if I, I sent you like my, some multi-tracks of like the kick and snare, like, man, they're like, they're pretty grimy, you know what I mean? Like on their own. But in the big picture, it just sounds like a drum set to me. You know what I mean? Like, and, and um, again, going back to my, you know, I used to cut things super clean, you know what I mean? Because that's like, I was just kind of timid about it, you know? But then I'd listen to, I'm like, man, they just, they don't, they're not cracking. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not what I was hearing in my head until I like really started following that. Well, well, what am I hearing in my head? Well, then they're, they're not clean. 
they're not clean at all, you know? Like, so I was like, all right, well, let's get some grime on them. And bam, there you go. There it was, you know? Um, so, so I do that. I, I push preamps, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, like I said, I have some outboard stuff that I, I use, but then, um, again, I, I'll push the virtual preamps as well. You know what I mean? To a, to a point where it's just, it just gets that sound, you know, like, and so anyway, I guess that's the thing, man. It's like, for me, it's all about getting the sound in the moment. So when I push the faders up and you hit play before you mix, like once you, you're done tracking, it just for me it should sound like a pretty damn close to being a record. So, um, and that's 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 it. You know, it's just um, and you know, and it's the it's it always kind of, it comes down to the player. You know, like. I'm lucky enough that I can play the stuff that I'm hearing in my head, but I'm also lucky enough to have a lot of cats who come through the studio who can do the same, you know? Um, so, um, and then what I like to do again, going back to um, getting the sound right going in is that that's inspires the musician, the drummer, or we're speaking about drums right now. So if there is a situation where we do have headphones, right? Man, I have that sound going to their head. So they sound like they are in, listening to the record when they're playing. So then that inspires the the performance. Very much so, just like, uh, you know, like with a guitar. You know what I mean? Like you, you spend all this time on amps and pedals and this and that because that's going to inspire your, your, your playing. I mean, yeah, sure, you could just record direct and get it later. But... You're not going to, like, if you don't have that delay there, you're not going to play, you're going to play too much probably because the delay isn't there. But if you have an echo or a delay, then all of a sudden you're going to not play as much because you're hearing what's going on. That's inspiring your playing. Same with drums, man. You know, like, it's, it's man, pretty simple to me. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I love it. I mean, there's a few things that I want to unpack from that as far as the drums go. Um, so you were talking about like minimal miking and, you know, I think that the, again, maybe going back to like kind of, you know, we're taught you should have a mic on everything and like capture it all. So you can, you know, un like get rid of it if you don't need it kind of thing. Right. But like, you're just committing to the tones. And uh, as far as like your, your kind of most common miking setup, goes for the drums you said you typically use like three mics on drums is that is that right yeah yeah i mean that's probably the that's the meat of it yeah so kick snare over um and then and then i have um uh, i have like this other mic that's kind of lives out in front of the drum set maybe about i don't know it looks about three feet or so and it's like this crazy like old 70s japanese microphone you know like on its own it sounds like really kind of bizarre you know but in, in a good way you know but um so that, that i kind of fill in with that it's just like a vibe kind of thing and then i have a, a microphone up in the ceiling that captures the entire room so that plays maybe just a little little role you know but um yeah man i mean it's just yeah just kick snare over so i'm assuming a lot of what you're working on Maybe maybe not all of what you're working on, but there's a large part of it that is mono based in 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 your mixes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, so um, exactly. And and the thing is with me and I, I kind of approach everything. Uh, 
again, going back to old school, it's kind of like that LCR approach in a way. Sometimes I do capture the drums in a stereo manner. You know, it's basically with just like overheads and then uh, with the addition of Tom, Tom mics, you know what I mean? But again, I, but with that said, I don't like to, um, I don't like the over, like a overly stereofied uh, version of the drums. You know what I mean? I just, to me, I just, just my, my technique, you know, I just like them to sound like they're still in the center, I guess, in a way, you know what I mean? Like, so, so generally with me, like I'll have a, say if I have a rack and a floor mic, which I've been doing a lot lately, I was actually, um, and even when I get stuff that comes in, I'll just put the, um, I listen to the overheads first. Like where are the, where are the toms in the overheads? Then I'll just put the, the toms where they are, where I'm feeling them in the overhead mics. So I don't do like a, like, oh, the rack tom is way left in the, you know, the floor is way right. You know what I mean? Like, cause it, that, that starts to kind of play with the phase of things. And, and then we, you know, we're kind of getting down the technical rabbit hole right now. But, um, so that's one side of it, but it also, it's just, it doesn't, um, I, I, I don't I don't like to feel like well, well well so you do that okay say if you have this like this wide drums big drums right for me it's like um then also well where's the where's the guitar player you know what I mean I'm always thinking of like I, I like it's kind of on my my meter bridge you know I'm always like imagining like the players where they are you know what I mean so like so if you have the drums are like this big, like so, so you're telling me all the other instruments are inside of the drums? <laughs> to, again, this yeah, is just me. I see what you're saying. I mean? like, I'm a very visual mi mixer, you know. What I mean, or producer, or mixer. So, yeah, you're picturing it like a band's on stage or something, and like where would they be? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. Or in a space on stage or in a whatever it is. Yeah. But so the same thing with like Leslie. I mean, I have a Hammond organ here and same thing. Most of my, I have three mics on my Leslie, but the majority of the time it's mixed in mono. And so people, well, why, why do you have three mics on it? If it's, you might as well just put one mic on. Well, the thing is there's a, there's the, the difference in time and from when the Leslie, the sound is getting to, the first microphone on top and the second microphone on top is causing that effect. So even in mono, you're still kind of hearing it. So again, it's not like it's super like wide. Then all of a sudden going, I'm thinking the same thing. Well, now the whole band is inside the Leslie, you know, like there's now there's no room. So, so I find that I'm able to create, and, and this again goes back to a lot of the records I grew up listening to. And kind of how uh, learning from my older brother and the, you know, this uh, audiophile about, um, you know, where to place things in a, in a stereo field. Because right now we're, you know, we're, well, we're, we're still, for the most part, mixing stereo. Although that's about to change uh, or it is changing. But um, so I feel that you're able to create bigger, wider mixes with a lot of mono elements placed in that stereo field rather than a bunch of stereo elements placed in the, in the stereo field. So, um, yeah, it makes sense. Again, like if, if everything just, is always wide, then there's, there is nothing wide. It's all the right, same. Exactly. 
Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I, I love that, man. Um, I, I think that that's such a, I love the way you visualize it and the way you describe that. Cause, cause yeah, it, it makes sense. Like you're going to have things in a room and they're going to be positioned in a certain spot. And that's, what's going to give you that wide sound. And that's, what's going to sound natural in a room as opposed to everyone being inside the drum kit or Leslie or something like that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. So that that's, I, that's just how I, I'm, I'm a very visual person when it comes to that, you know, like when I'm deciding on panning things, I close my eyes, you know what I mean? Like, and that's like the, again, kind of going back to my early days before we had a monitor to look at you know what i mean like all you had was just the console and you know some speakers you know like there was n there was no visual cue there you know so it was all in your mind as to where you're so i kind of take that same approach sometimes i just turn the monitor off or whatever or i just close my eyes and i just listen like where does this belong you know what i mean it's like i don't punch in a, a um, I, I, you know, I, I was going to say, I don't necessarily punch in a number, but, um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, I just listen to where it should be. Yeah. You're not going um, based on like a gut instinct of like, I always just do it or like not gut instinct, but like, um, a, ha a habit that you're not just putting things there for the sake of just doing it. Cause you always do it. Right, 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 right. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say it. When I'm starting, when uh, like when I was just mixing early before we got on, you know, there was like drums, had the drums and bass, everything was sounding good. Okay, so what's the next element that you know that's coming in? Okay, guitar. All right, well, I'm just gonna push that all the way to the left. Okay, I have bass, drums, guitar. Now guitar is all the way to the left or something like that. So then it's like, okay, what's the next element coming in? So then it's just kind of like putting this puzzle together because I've already kind of committed to like this one guitar. I, I'm not going to say it, maybe it moved based on mm -hmm. the rest of the arrangement, but yeah, yeah, you, you have to start, I start somewhere, you know what I mean? So Absolutely. out of habit, I guess, you yeah. know, yeah. so. Yeah, I guess at um, the end of the day, you know, you're, you're constantly reevaluating your mix to see like, does the mix feel balanced? And if you're going to, if you're going to start off with a guitar on the left, it's like, what's going on the right to offset, like to, to balance that a little more. Exactly. I mean, it's kind of like the, you know, like the, the concept of, um, what do they call carving, carving frequencies out for, to make room for whatever, whatever, you know, like, again, like I can kind of dig that, you know, I mean, I, I, I use a lot of, uh, not a lot. I, um, like a high pass filter for things, sometimes a low pass filter for things as well. You know what I mean? But, um, but again, before like you start carving things, like it's some, that whole concept doesn't really make any sense to me, but Hey, I know, like, like you said, man, like people are, are going to listen to me like, oh, oh, you're crazy, man. I do it all the time. Hey man, cool. It works for you, dude. You know what I mean? Like, that's awesome. But for me though, it's it, mixing is about balancing, you know what I'm saying? For me, like before, like EQ or whatever, it's just balancing. And so that's the thing. It's like, that's why I like to close my eyes and like, and, and really pay attention to where things are. Because a lot of times you may have a buildup of something. Well, because those two instruments are in the same kind of space. Sometimes all you got to do is move it somewhere else and it's, ooh, opens opens things up. So, For sure. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I also think too that that, has to do with 
you know, like in the recording stage, you're aware of all these moves you're making as well. So you're already envisioning where things are going to go. You might even be auditioning panning in the, while you're tracking as well. So you already have that sense of like, okay, I don't need to add a high pass filter on this because I'm going to just, or a low pass filter because I'm just going to move the microphone. And then you're making moves like that to, to basically save yourself from having to do it in the mixing stage. So. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing, man. Like, you know, when I, again, when a lot of people will, if you would look at my, um, my, my mixes, my mix template or whatever you want to call it, but uh, not, not even the mix template, I'd use one, but the, the final mix, you, you won't find a lot of EQ. I actually have pretty much none, you know what I'm saying? But again, it goes back to, and, and if there is, it's, it's more of, um, uh, corrective kind of you know there's a, a, there was a problem going on that i didn't catch or 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 in a lot of cases you know i didn't record the thing you know what i mean so um but yeah yeah i mean I, I definitely do that when i'm recording like on the console like i'm panning things so i can hear them you know what i mean like it's like oh this this makes sense you know like okay cool it's and then if it doesn't like hey guys Yo, maybe that part, maybe that riff there isn't, it's fighting, you know, there's some, you know, if that's intentional, cool, you know, but sometimes you know, we can work on it or, or with my own self, you know what I mean? Like if I'm producing my own thing that I'm playing, you know, like a lot of times the ideas sound great. Like, you know, when you're driving around in the car or whatever, you know, when then you get to the studio, you're like, oh man, like just too much going on, you know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, again, like I, I try to make my make it uh, the mixing part of it about balancing. Um, and so making those choices going in. I love it. Yeah, that, that sounds smart. And I think you know, committing to those sounds early is going to shape your mix. So it's like you can you can shape it in the recording stage or you can shape it in the mix, but it's probably better to do it earlier on and save yourself that trouble, especially if you're going to keep a static setup, like you said, like where you have everything mic'd already. It's like once you found those sweet spots, you, you've already done like half the work, you know, like your, your mixes are all going to have some consistency to them, which is great. Well, yeah, well, that's true. But the, the other thing that I discovered, I remember I had a band in here years ago. And they had, I think, two or three different drummers. Not at the same time, but like one set one day, it was a multiple day set session, and one day one, drummer one came in. And then I remember the next day, the second drummer came in. And I said, hey, man, you know, like, move everything, you know, like, this is your drum set, this is your, what, just do whatever you want, you know? He was like, nah, I'm good. And he literally sat down and played the exact setup that the cat played the, the day before. Those two, they literally sounded like completely different drum sets. He didn't change one thing. I didn't move one microphone, nothing. And it sounded like two diff completely different, you know, setups. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it has a, has a lot to, I mean, you know, that's the deal with piano. Like if you think about it, like piano should sound the same all the time, right? I mean, if you I mean if you break it down, like there's there's what's changing? But man, you listen to like McCoy Tyner, Herbie Hancock, and Oscar Peterson all play the same piano. It's wildly different wild sound they will sound like a completely different instrument you know what i'm saying like and it's just like the touch it's like the the personality the feel of the person you know what i mean so well another thing that you had mentioned when we were talking about 
your drum sound that I wanted to dig in a little bit more about is saturation. And I think that saturation is such a crucial part of that kind of vintage sound. Um, let's talk about that. Cause I feel like, you know, again, going back to like these rules of audio that we're taught, it's like, don't clip. That's what, that's what we're taught. But, but there's such, there's such good, like so much amazing stuff in saturation sometimes. So how do you go about dialing in saturation and what's your normal process look like when you, when it comes to adding it? Okay. Well, okay. So I, a lot of how I explain saturation and, and it's, it's, in mixing, recording and mixing in general, I uh, I compare it to guitar playing and a guitar setup, I should say, in that it's all about gain staging, right? So now you you mentioned clipping. Now when I'm going in to my setup into my console, uh, which is which is also my converters. I'm not clipping the, I'm not clipping the converters. Okay. Like I'm, so the thing is, so it's all about gain staging. And so I'm getting that saturation at a, um, I'm hitting my mic preamps in a, in a certain way. So luckily I'm hitting, I'm driving the input, you know what I'm saying? Like, so it's like, so it's like, oh, okay, that sounds really good. Then I'm very um, mindful of the output. You know what I'm saying? Like certain, and I'm lucky in that. So that's the thing. It kind of goes back to, uh, I, 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 sometimes I say, oh, it's not about the gear, but some, but part of it is, you know what I'm saying? Like, so if you have like a, um, you know, a preamp that just, it's like the input and the output is the same. It's just like one knob. You're probably going to have a little more a difficult time getting that sat saturation going on rather if you have input and output you can drive you can drive that input circuit you can drive that you know that that transformer but then you're able to go out out of it into your interface or whatever at a you know decent level you know and that's so that's um and so i'm able to do the same thing again i mean and you can do the same thing in the in the in the land of plugins, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, be cool with your, um, you know, be mindful of your, how hot you're going into your interface. But then once you get in there, it's all, it's all about input and output to me. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just as simple as that. Um, and I think a lot of people just, um, unfortunately don't understand that, um, or don't have access to gear that allows them to, to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I see what you're saying. It's, it's not, it's not about like feeding a signal into your DAW and seeing the red lights clipping there. Cause that's, that's, that's when you've probably done it the wrong way where what you're saying is like, you're using gear that allows you to distort it and then trim the level so that it's coming in at a comfortable level. And you could push that even hotter and what whatnot in the mix, but, but you have that ability to do so. Right, 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 right. So, um, you know, I, I know that, um, yeah, and that, and sometimes that can be difficult. Again, it can be difficult if you don't have the, I, I hate to say the right gear or whatever, but you know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't, it, the, the cost of the gear doesn't matter, but it's just the functionality of that piece of gear is super important, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Like it seems like a lot of budget interfaces these days only have like the one knob preamp and you can't really do anything with those. Even some high end ones, like I'm just looking at my universal audio Apollo and it's like, it's just a one knob preamp. So, but I guess if I were to use their like digital saturation, to, like plugins, then, then I can mess with it there. 
Ex- exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like, I mean, like, I know you, you're saying you're, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, you know, if you have like the, all the UAD stuff and whatever, I mean, that's what they design it for. You know what I mean? But it's like, or Luna or whatever, you know what I mean? So, um, but again, like I said, like I, I, um, I commit to those sounds rather than waiting till, um, afterwards to, to get them. So would you say that with, with saturation, I mean, it's very easy to, I think it's very easy to overdo it. And I think if you're going to have a lot of tracks that have some saturation on it, like, how do you decide how much is too much? Well, I mean, that's, I mean, that's all your ears, but again, going back to, I don't, um, I don't, in the tracking phase, maybe I spent a little bit more. I I spent a little bit more time in solo mode, you know, but not much at all. I like to listen to the say recording drums. I like to listen to the whole the drums as a whole. And again, and that's why sometimes I'm so I I'm surprised. I like I'll solo the I'll just listen to the kick drum as you know. I'm like holy cow, man, that sounds kind of crappy, but 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 it doesn't matter like once it's all together if it sounds good it sounds good you know what i'm saying so but on the flip side of that um you could take it it's easy to take it too far when you're just soloing like the uh the snare drum like oh i want this you know distorted sound and or saturated whatever you know what i mean like oh that's, that that sounds great and i'm gonna do the same with the overheads oh yeah that, that sounds cool but then when you put it all together it's just way too much you know what i'm saying so um i i think the the the, the key there is just context listening in context in um tracking uh, and especially in mixing, I'm like I said in tracking. I'm I, I'm I definitely pay more. T- I uh, I try to pay more attention to what's really going in because again I am committing, you know. And there's I've just definitely been times where I'm like, oh man, that guitar, that preamp that I had on the guitar was clipping because you know as the guitar player got in and turned up, you know, it was just like hitting too hard and like. And then, you know, it just, it was, it's not very forgiving, you know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, it's all about listening in context. Yep. I agree. hundred percent. That makes a lot of sense. Well, man, I don't want to take up too much more of your time because I know you got some stuff to do, but uh, we can start to wrap up a little bit. If, if people want to learn more about you and follow you online, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, I guess the easiest thing to do would, uh, you can find me, um, my studio website is ironwax.com. And uh, that's for the studio. And my record label is uh, VintageLeagueMusic.com. And um, and uh, I'm pretty easy to find on all social media, uh, you know, networks or places. Um, just check out Alan Evans. And um, yeah, you'll find me. <laughs> awesome. And uh, lastly, I always love to ask, like, any cool projects that you're working on right now that you can talk about? Ooh, right now. Yeah, actually. So, uh, yes, right when, uh, before we got on, I was mixing a song for a new, um, actually two things, um, for my label, actually. Uh, the first band is called, uh, on the spot trio and it's some wild stuff, man. It's kind of like Afrobeat, psychedelic Afrobeat funk. Um, and it's real, man, these cats are, are going in. So that's awesome. And then the other album that I'm, I'm working on is a funk big band. 
um, that I've done a few albums for called the BTALC Big Band. And that's like, well, well it's usually about 17 piece band, you know, some, somewhere around there. And that's some straight, straight up funk, man, but a lot of horns and great writing, great arranging. Um, that's, that's a, just another perfect example of man, just, uh, put up the microphones and, and don't mess it up. Cause these dudes aren't, you know, <laughs> so that, those are two things I'm really, really excited about right now. And, uh, yeah. Love it, man. Can't wait to check it out. Yeah, 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 me too. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, Alan, thank you so much for being on here. I, I, I just think that like you gave us some really cool insight into your process and, uh, you know, I love your approach to it. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's refreshing because I, I feel like I interview a lot of people who have that, um, very hyper produced sound. And I love that you're just stripping it back and making it super organic and, you know, the less is more approach and uh, like, you know, accepting bleed and all that kind of stuff. Like, I love that. Cause it's, it just really takes it back down to the foundations of the music. And it, when you listen to your recordings, it, there's, there's that tone to it there's a character to it that is so pleasing to the ear and, and you're just absolutely crushing it man so keep up the great work oh man that's really good to hear man man I'm, I'm thank you thank you so that was my interview with alan evans and i just love his approach to recording i think that with today's modern recordings especially in rock music you know we have this tendency to overdo everything and add so many samples and all these layers and just really overcomplicate the process. And I love that Alan's approach is just really bringing it back to basics and keeping it super simple. And it gives a really organic sound to his recordings. And when you listen to his tracks, like it's clear, like these have an old school vintage vibe and that's not a sound that you hear much these days. I actually think it's really difficult to get some of that vintage sound these days because, you know, we're so conditioned to overcomplicate our processes and Alan is just like, screw that. Let's just simplify this and minimal miking and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it really has a cool sound to it. I grew up listening to soul music. My parents listened to a, a lot of the early Motown stuff. So Alan has definitely preserved that sound in his recordings. And Alan is just one of those people who is putting out amazing recordings with that vintage soulful sound. So definitely make sure to check out his recordings if you've never heard any of his stuff before, because I think it'll really place you back in time and you'll really love it. So I hope that you really enjoyed that episode, that you found it helpful and got lots of great tips out of it, just like I did. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, definitely make sure to subscribe so that you're up to date on all of the new episodes as they're released. We're going to be trying to release new episodes every Wednesday. So by subscribing, you'll get the notification once the new episodes are live. And if you haven't yet done it, make sure to check out MasterYourMix.com. That's where I help musicians create pro-sounding recordings from their home studios so that you can use those recordings to showcase your talents in the best way possible and use them to also grow your career. And while you're there, definitely make sure to check out my book. It's called The Mixing Mindset. And inside of that book, I give you my step-by-step -step process for creating mixes from your home studio. And we walk through the entire process from your workflow, from the tools, using EQ, compression, automation, all of that kind of stuff. We really dig into the entire process so that you have a clear understanding of what you need to do in order to make your songs sound pro and polished and feel proud of the results of those songs. So once again, check that out. It's called The Mixing Mindset, and that's available at MasterYourMix.com. So that is it for today's episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the very end, and I look forward to talking to you in the next one. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Master Your Mix podcast. 
To have your questions answered, submit your questions to questions at MasterYourMix.com. Please go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review. And for more information on how you can improve your mixes, visit MasterYourMix.com.